Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California and Feeling Minnesota. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I'm the Looking California portion of the program. I'm a writer and an acting coach in sunny Southern California. And I'm joined by Barry Anderson, who is one of the number one Minnesotans of all time. There's Prince, there's Jesse Ventura, and then there's Barry. All in the mix. Those are the top three. Any order you go in, you can't go wrong. So Barry Anderson, tell us a little bit about your feeling Minnesota self. Well, you know, spring is just not wanting to 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 take hold here, but we're we're starting to get uh, starting to warm up. So uh, it uh, what's been nice about the late spring is when I'm working, I don't feel guilty about working because it's not nice outside. But I think starting next week, it's going to start to feel nice. So then then it's that. Do I want to be working today or do I want to enjoy? Right. Now, speaking of work, what do you do for a living, Barry? Uh, You asked the same question my mom asked. (laughs) 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 Right to my soul. Uh, No, I'm a director and uh, it's been uh, a very busy start to the year, which has been nice. Been doing some cool stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, you might say that my real job is... uh, trying to keep you in in check but i don't know yes. if our listeners agreed that i do a very good job at that so that's... i i think you do your best that's all i'm <laughs> gonna say <laughs> we appreciate the effort thank you thank you <laughs> so here on this podcast looking california film and sort of the number one ranked cinema podcast uh that i listen to um we're going to talk about a movie and that movie is called windfall now windfall is on netflix it's uh, a Netflix movie, so you can just hop on Netflix. There, uh, they made the movie. The movie's directed by Charlie McDowell. It stars Jason Segel, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Collins. The film has a crisp ninety-two minute runtime. We don't know the budgetary uh, issues because Netflix doesn't divulge that sort of stuff, so we don't know how much it costs to make. The story of this film is that there's a guy who breaks into the house, a vacation home of a rich couple, and the rich couple are Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons. And they, he, Jesse Plemons is a tech guru guy who's a billionaire, and this is his vacation home. They come to stay at their vacation home, and Jason Siegel has broken into it and is in there, and he ends up taking them hostage, and drama ensues. Um, I think that's about all we're going to give away. I don't know if we'll do spoilers. We'll see how the discussion goes. If we do, there's going to be spoilers. I don't think. Okay, there's spoilers. I feel like you can't. Yeah. (laughs) It's a 90 minute movie. So so you can watch it and then come listen if you like. If you don't like spoilers, if you you don't care, just listen. Who cares? Um, All right. So that's, that's the basic premise of the film, which look, this took no time at all, me describing it. In the last few episodes, it's taken me. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll find out the verdict, but definitely. It's taken quite a while for me to to, uh, to verbalize what these movies have been about. This one's pretty easy. So, Barry Anderson, you watched Windfall this week. I watched it this week. What do you think of Windfall? Well, I'm going to start by saying I knew very little about it. I think I maybe watched half the trailer just to get a sense of, like, you know, what type of movie is this? Um, and then my general takes are, you know, Lily Collins, you know, is fine. Like I like her in some stuff. She's forgettable in other stuff, but neither, neither I'm excited, nor am I, you know, turn off if she's on, um, Jesse Plemons, I genuinely, genuinely like, but I feel like he does such a wide range of characters. I wasn't sure what this one would be like, but I was kind of curious Mm -hmm. because, to me, he seemed like the Sesame Street, one of these things doesn't belong here. He seemed like the more gifted, more, you know, higher profile, higher acting chops than the other three. And then... Yeah, and he, and he was just nominated uh, for yeah, Best Supporting for, Actor for Power of the Dog. Correct, just this correct. Year. Yeah, yeah. And then you have just uh, Jason Siegel, whom I have to admit, I find him charming in his comedies. There, You know, he was... He's, he's not the great comedic uh, genius of our time, <laughs> but, you know, by and large, I, uh, 
you know, I've liked some of what he's done and enjoyed watching him. And as I've stated, probably ad nauseum on this podcast, that in general, when comedians want to do dramatic work, I almost always love it because I think that comedians, if you contain them, can be very powerful in a more drama role. So with all that being said, I was kind of coming to this being like, oh, what is this? What is this movie? What am I going to think? And the opening sequence of the movie I'm just kind of watching and it's interestingly paced, interestingly yep. shot. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of got a style, but not a style. And I'm not really sure where they're going with it. And then kind of, you know, then the inciting incident happens and things kind of go from there. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to soft answer you first, and then we can get into more is as I started watching the movie, I started rooting for the movie. Like, I was kind of like, ooh, I want this to be good. I you kind know, of liking where they're going with this. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you 100% on that. And I was surprised I felt that way. I, that's, me too. Like, you know, 15 minutes yeah. in, I'm like, oh, man, this could be one of those like little hidden yep. gems. Yep. It didn't end that way for me. Um, mm -hmm. But this, this is going to fall into that new rare category that's now becoming common is the elements were there for this to be a really great movie. <laughs> and we can discuss the reasons why I don't think it achieved that, but it's like, man, you know, I, just the way I was tracking some of it, the way I was like, Ooh, I wonder what this character will do. It's kind of like they, they, they didn't realize it's like, you know, someone's selling a garage sale and they're like, Hey, take that thing for 20 bucks. And someone who knows what it is, it's like worth $3,000. But if someone who doesn't know the worst, you know, buys it for 20 bucks and, you know, decides later on they don't want it and throws it in the bonfire. It wasn't quite that disastrous of a movie, but I, I'm going to judge it harsher because I feel like they had the elements yeah, and then yeah. they kind of whiffed with it. And I think that's all I'll say is my initial take for the movie. Yeah, you know, my experience, I knew nothing about the movie um, uh, at all. And so I watched it and immediately what jumped out at me is the opening shot Yep, is just a still shot of uh, the back all, of a house. And it's all the credits because they've moved most movies right. not having the opening credits. So it's locked off and you're just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and, and it, nothing's happening. It reminded me of classic Hollywood films because what's happening as the camera's just sitting there is that the score is playing. And it's this very uh, classic Hollywood score. It, it, it's quite, quite good. And I'm just thinking like, oh, this movie feels like it's from 1954, yeah. you know? Like, and even the house, you could see like, oh, this is like one of those sort of classic Hollywood houses that they would use for something like this. Um, and so I was instantly intrigued by that. And then the film starts, the story starts, and Jason, they follow Jason Siegel's character, who I forget his character's name, nobody is what they call him. Um, but he, he's, he's the guy who uh, breaks into the house. And you follow him around, you're not exactly sure what's going on. Is this his house? Is it not his house? Um, and then you figure out that it's not. Um, and all the pieces are there for this to be a really good movie. It's a very simple script. It's actually this this script could be a stage play. Yes. Um, and you get three. I, I'm going to jump in there. Finish. Yeah. You finish. We've we've reviewed some movies that were stage plays that became films. That we've talked about it. Yeah. What was interesting about this is it could have been a stage play. But it had similar constraints to like, what is it? One night in Miami or one night. Yeah, in... yeah, yep. But this movie didn't feel claustrophobically forced. It felt right. organic to the space where you didn't feel like, oh, okay, they're trapped in here and they can't do anything. And I think that's something that I want to definitely call out that they did a good job with that could have easily been like, oh my gosh, it's like they shot the whole thing in the living room. I'm so bored right. with this. Yeah, they, they use the space pretty well. Um, but the one issue with the film, and again, I, I'm the same as you, like the first 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we, this is like a little gem you stumble upon. Yeah. Um, 
but then ultimately it's not written well enough on a foundational and fundamental level for it to succeed as a film. And my, the end result for me is that, and I'll explain what that means in a second, but what, what that, the end result for me is that I didn't hate the movie. Correct. Um, I also didn't like it. Correct. Like it, it, yeah. it, it fails. It, it fails in what it tries to do, but it's like one of those things that like, I'm glad they made it and wished <laughs> they would make more movies like this, just make it better. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and what I mean by the, the flaws in the writing, the fundamental foundational issues with it, characters in the film make choices and decisions and, and actions that they don't earn. And it ends up sort of self-defeating. So for instance, I'll, I'll give one that is not really much of a spoiler, but um, Jason Siegel takes these this couple hostage, and um, he's gonna he he wants money, he wants ransom, and the couple ends up helping him decide how much to ask for. Yeah, and there's nothing leading up to that that would indicate to you that they would do that, and there's nothing leading up to that that would make that decision make sense. Now it's a clever little scene, yep. like it's amusing, but it doesn't fit. It ends up uh, working counter to what the film needed at the time, which was these characters acting as they should act in that situation. And, and so that scene, I think, while, in, while entertaining and, and sort of funny, works against what the film needed at that point. And then we can get into other things, including the ending. Uh, it, it's the same thing where it's not earned. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with what that story should be. And there are a lot of reasons for that, which we can get into. A lot of them might be an uncomfortable discussion. I'm, but... I'm gonna throw this at you for what you just said. Because usually an audience, when they're watching the movie and they're kind of, okay, why is this scene in here? Why are they acting this way? You know, where is this going to play out? And you're kind of, you're, you're playing, you know, detective as you're watching. And this movie had enough in that opening 15 minutes where I'm like, I wonder if this is going to be a little bit, not necessarily like a trick, but I thought like, maybe this is not going to be a paint by numbers structure. So they, they got they got me thinking and that specific scene you're talking about where they're kind of joking with them and trying to be like, well, that's not enough money. And you're like, wait, why are they doing this? It led me down a path that kind of lasted almost all the way up till the end. And then it didn't pay off. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that would have been a better way to structure the movie or not. And I'm, I'm hesitant. I guess I should state that if I finish this thought this would be a spoiler because <laughs> you're gonna learn how the movie <laughs> ends uh which if you want to see that without pollution you maybe want to shut out the podcast watch it and then come back but i thought for a good portion of the movie that it was either something set up by the couple or by the wife mm. like i didn't think it was random and I yeah. thought that that was like why they were kind of playing with him. And it wasn't like, because my biggest flaw with the way the movie ended up ending, well, the two major flaws, number one, the conflict didn't match what was happening. Yeah. Like usually yeah. in this thing, there's conflict. And like, for instance, Jason Siegel's character, it wasn't a particularly strong character, but he seemed to kind of be in a moral dilemma that he didn't want to hurt people he kind of got stuck in this position. It was almost like he had a moral high ground by being the quote unquote bad guy. Then I think the mistake they made with Jesse Plemons is they made him so one dimensional. Yeah, yeah. Here's a rich billionaire bad guy and just everything he does is the worst ever. And there's no nuance to the character at all. And then you have his trophy wife who apparently, you know, only married him to get her college loans paid off and somehow right. she despises him for this and i'm just like scratching my head i'm like and, and somehow he's the bad guy over that 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, just like <laughs> as, as you're watching it, you're like, these are really weird, specific things that yeah. like, then you're like, okay, is there a reason they're being so specific? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and my, my thinking was, is it would have been far more, what, it is always far more interesting in a story like this if there's more nuance of like, all of them have a good and bad side and you're kind of ebbing and flowing through them. And they tried to kind of create this moral high ground where obviously Jesse Plemons character was bad. You know, Jason Siegel was kind of the innocent victim, but he was also, there was a scene where he's definitely virtual virtue signaling. Cause he's like, I wanted to meet you and wanted to like you, but you're worse than I thought. And then the disdain for uh, Colin's character toward Jesse Plemons was like, you're just kind of like, there was, it was a nice scene that, should have played better but when jason siegel is kind of like wait you're playing the victim like you chose these choices right, right but yet that didn't ring there was no consequence to that it was still she was just off the hook and it was fine and i think for this type of movie to work you had to have all those hooks and i just heard it this morning this movie needed to have every character have a dilemma and the the uh, the definition of a dilemma is you have two bad choices and you have to choose one. And that's what this movie needed. You needed everybody to have to make a decision, but whatever decision they made also wasn't going to be good. And as those decisions start to be made, it complicated everybody else's choices, which kind of like you were kind of watching a train wreck that you feel should be avoidable, but it's not. And then you're interested in by how these characters interact, but they took away that dilemma and they're just like, oh, this person's going to make that choice because they're better than that person. And you're mm. kind of like, well, now, okay, even if that's true, you've made the decision for the audience and didn't give any room for the audience to interpret or live or kind of like see both sides. And I think that cheated the ultimate movie and what the movie going experience could be. Because I remember, I remember a writer friend of mine years ago. I'm trying to remember the movie. I can't remember it, but it was something like what they did with Cobra Kai, where the movie was, you know, the main the main character wins great. But, you know, in that movie, the guy that he defeated was the hero of the movie and he was cheated. And when you flip it and look at it, you're like, OK, I can actually see how that would be the case if the guy didn't legal move, but it wasn't called and he basically cheated to win. If, if, if told the other way, you would have hated the character that you liked on the other side. And that's what makes it right. good. I don't think you could have done that in this movie the way they set it up where you could have flipped and said, okay, let me look at Jesse Plemons point of view from this. Let me look at Colin's point of view. And it just, it just, it spoon fed you and didn't leave. It's kind of like, it's almost like a empty calories. You're, you're yeah, expecting yeah. like a, a, a five course meal and you got some, you know, cheeseburger meal, <laughs> you ate it and you're kind of like, ah, that's not really what I was hoping for tonight. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And, the the problem with I, I like Jesse Plemons a lot as an actor um, and he's good in this in that he, he's a real asshole <laughs> you know? right. but but the character is just there's nothing redeeming about him and yet if you could make the three this this triangle needs to be as close to equal as possible in terms of redeeming value. And so part of the flaw of the film is that Jason Siegel is this robber who is unarmed to start the film. And he's, he still gets them to do what he wants them to do. And at one point, Jesse Plemons says like, no, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do it. It's like, look, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt you in front of your wife. Now, Jason Siegel is not an actor I appreciate very much. I do agree that I, I find like, you know, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, I thought was terrific, you know, and, and I thought he was very good in that, but he's, he's not somebody that I'm like, oh, he's a great comedian or he's a great actor, but but I, I can One see thing, why he produced this. Like, this is the vehicle oh, for him totally. to, like, 100% yeah. appreciate that it's outside of his normal box, and I want to see what he does with it. 
Right. But then I'm watching that scene and I'm thinking for the whole opening of the film, I'm thinking um, he is not physically menacing or imposing well, at all. Well, here, here. Well, I could get by with that, but I was going to say that leads right into my other biggest problem with the movie is they wanted to keep him kind of the good bad guy. Right. And so they stripped away. There was never a scene where I was watching him where I thought that he would actually hurt them. Like there was right. never that moment. There was never anything where you're like, I always say that there's certain people that like, you know, they're very kind of forgiving or they're very tolerant. But if you push them too far, that's almost like an unhealthy breaking point. You needed something like that where you knew if something happened, Jason Siegel could be a menacing character. Right. And they went he had out to have of their way to make sure that they're like, no, none of that exists in him. And you're kind of like, well, he, well, that doesn't help. Like you can make him have not, to have make a choice not to do it. But you you gotta set up that that possibility is within him. Right. Otherwise, there's no he, tension. That character has to have a fire in his belly. Yes. And what ends up happening in this film is he doesn't have a fire in his belly. He's just a mope. Yeah. He's sort of a sad sack sort of loser. And you're just like, okay, you can have that, but it's got then it's got to be somebody who's unstable, who you're like, uh, yeah. uh, uh, this guy's unpredictable. I don't know what he's gonna do, but he has neither of those, and so he's just this sort of um you know like i said some sad sack mope and eventually that comes to fruition at us in a scene where clemens is like i i don't think you're going to hurt me and then a bunch of events happen and he still doesn't hurt him um but that really the film suffers because of that the film suffers because clemens is his character is so is written so one-dimensionally that character would be so much better if you liked him and then that moment comes where he says to his wife hey you got to get in with this guy do whatever it takes so he's basically saying yeah i'm willing to sacrifice you for us to get out of this that is a devastating moment if he's a good guy up till then yeah um you know he where he reveals himself but it's not there and the Lily Collins character, you know, I like Lily Collins. I remember the first time I saw her, it was in some, uh, I think it was in a, I can't remember the name of the movie. It was a terrible movie, like Town and Country or something like that. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, she was in it and I just thought, oh, wow, this, this is a, a beautiful girl. She, she's a classic Hollywood beauty. And, you know, she hasn't really done a whole lot since then. Um, but she's fine in this, like she's, she's fine for the role. But the character itself is, it's written in such a way that it's funny. You could see the, the machinations of the writer and the director being like, oh, we want this to actually be a sort of edgy political statement on, you know, uh, uh, you know, masculinity or whatever, you, you know, or, or the patriarchy. And, and this woman is sort of trapped in that. And what it ends up doing actually is sort of completely flipping that over into just garbage territory where this woman who is presented with a choice in her life to be with Jesse Plemons and get her, uh, her, her college uh, loans paid off or to go out into the world on her own and like just make a way for herself. And she chooses to get her loans paid off and be with Jesse Clemens. Nobody forced her to do that. She chose to do that. And as Jason uh, Siegel says to her, um, are you the victim here? You did that, like she chose to do it. And then the whole crux of the film at the end is, oh, oh, she's free. And meanwhile, in right before the end of the film, she's presented with an opportunity to be free and she doesn't take it. She takes the worst path possible <laughs> of like being freeing herself. And it's, it's sort of astounding to me that it's this the, two things. The way that's presented is this sort of girl power, feminist cheering type of thing, which I think is deplorable, not because it's empowering of women, but because it's such an evil thing. Like 
she had so many opportunities to make better decisions and she didn't do it. And now she's left with really catastrophic decisions at the end of the film. And secondly, the film, <laughs> if you go to uh, Netflix, like the little picture that they have with the film, you know, so you're just scrolling Netflix, you see this thing with Jason Siegel and Lily Collins, who's in, in some other Netflix thing, the, the whatever in Paris thing, some, some frivolous show. The, the picture accompanying this movie is this jokey little thing with the three of the actors looking at a broken window, like making funny faces. And so they're promoting it basically as a comedy. And I'm like, that's crazy. And then you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you see the audience score is 39%. You're like, well, if you go into this thinking it's like a comedy, that's why you get 39% Rotten Tomatoes score because people are going to be pissed because it's not a comedy. It's, it's you know, basically a drama, um, a poorly executed one, but a drama nonetheless. So th those are the issues that I kept mulling over as this thing played on of all the potential it had, it seemed to make the most base and the most trite decisions at every turn. And they seemed to be the wrong decision. Because like we said about the Siegel character, that's very flawed. The Plemons character is very flawed. Lindley Collins character is, is very flawed. And you mix them together and you get this sort of thing where you're waiting for greatness to break out and the film doesn't allow it to happen you know um yeah so th that's that's my rant on the movie i mean i can't say that i disagree with much of what you said there but i think i think we brought it up it seems like movies say 20 25 to 40 years ago they kind of created characters within the movies that were a little bit less direct or less kind of like, okay, this is what the character is going to be like. And they would find yeah. moments to kind of inject something like, Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. Or, you know, even though it's your hero near the end of the movie, you're still infuriated with a certain part of them. And I feel like this falls into that trap of like, Oh, this is what it's going to be. And there's never, you know, we're going to have Jason Siegel be the robber, but he's going to be like the rest of society who doesn't like these super rich people that, you know, kind of operate on these things. And then we're going to make the evil rich character that Jesse Plemons plays, like no redeeming qualities, literally as vapid as you can believe, you know, just doesn't care about anything. And then Lily Collins character, and you're just kind of like, I kind of feel like this is like what you do in a writing class before Bingo. you present it to the group. And they're kind of like, yep. okay, well, let's, let's make it a little bit more interesting. What do you think if we do this? And I feel like it could have, it could have used a couple rounds of people going, what do you think about this? Because I'm telling you, as I was watching it, there was, there was elements about early on in the film, I, the scene where, you know, Jesse Plemons says, there's more, well, both of them said, both him and Louis Collins said that there's money in the house. And, you know, it was kind of this, they're feeling each other out. Like, are they telling the truth? Are they lying? You know, and they're going around digging through stuff. And the way they shot it, there was no tension being built. Like, is he looking for money or does he have a hidden weapon that he's going to pull out? Right. There was just all this stuff that could have been super fascinating. Or again, when Jason Siegel's character finds the weapon, it happens so early and he takes it like there was never a lead up of like if you would have seen it but he didn't do it you're like oh so he's not going to go that route but then later on you know you know either lily collins or jesse plemons is in the room and the audience is like oh my gosh like they know that the guns are they're gonna pick up the gun and they open the drawer and the gun's gone and now you're like whoa who took that was it jason siegel was it the other you know whoever was in there like there was no like who's in control, who's making the decisions, who's making the bad decisions. It was kind of like, oh, well, Jason Siegel needs to have a gun to control them right away. But he didn't bring one, but we're going to put one in the drawer and he's going to pick it up right away and there'll be no problem with it. And you're just like, man, I feel like you could have milked all that for far more dramatic effect, far more curiosity to keep you engaged 
And then when you're watching these banter between the three of them, you're kind of like, who's the joker here that's playing everyone else? It's kind of like, you know, who's who's really the ringleader? And if done well, that opinion should change from scene to scene. You're like, oh, I thought that Jason Siegel was in control, but it's really Jesse Plemons. Oh man, Lily Collins is playing both of them over here. And then you're like, oh wait, Jason Siegel like backed them into that because he was two steps ahead. And that's the way that this character kind of swim, you know, river should kind of arc and go back and forth. And I felt like he just hopped on the river and it was a straight river right till the end. Yeah. And you're yeah. kind of like, man, I could have used some rapids, could have used some, <laughs> some, some scenery and that just didn't happen. Um, but I still, the whole time I was like, the elements are here. Like, you know, with a proper chef, this would have been a gourmet meal. <laughs> and well, what, I mean, just, was, just no. on a fundamental, like, because I agree with you, this feels like an acting class exercise. Yeah. Um, I've been in those situations where, you know, you, you come up with this stuff and you're like, oh, great. But, you know, the more scrutiny it gets, the, the more it falls apart. But just on a, on a basic level, imagine if, the Lily Collins character and the Jesse Plemons character were actually in love with one another. And the kidnapping and the hostage taking and, and the pressure of that situation is what exposes the cracks in that relationship and ultimately, ultimately leads to this disastrous decision that in... The, the way the film is set up now, that decision that Lily Collins makes at the end feels like she's just looking for an excuse to do that. And now she has it as opposed to, oh, my God, I'm under so much pressure that all these things are being revealed about this person that I thought I loved and about me that this happened. Right. Which if, if that's the case, then the film is worthwhile because you're like, oh, wow, what a transformation we've gone in 90 minutes from they walk in totally in love to, oh, my God, she's walking out, you know, having uh, done something. Hey, to me, it's one of, the, again, another acting class thing of like, you need to raise the sort of stakes on that. There needs to be a connection between those two people that is genuine and 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 powerful so that everything that comes after is more profound because of it. And the same with Jason Siegel. You know, his, he needs to have a relationship with these people. It's never fully explained until sort of the end when he sort of talks about why he's there and, and his relationship to Jesse Plemons, what he feels about him. But like, that should have been sort of driving everything as opposed to just Oh, I need an excuse. Oh, I, how am I going to get out of here? Oh, no, they stumbled upon me. So it's all of those things are watered down and, and upon scrutiny, they fall apart. Whereas if you just put more into it, put, put more uh, depth uh, and subtext into it, then you could get genuine relationships between these people and genuine stakes. And the, those actions take on much greater power, even, even when Lily Collins is at the end of the driveway and can escape. Her decision not to do that is much more profound if you realize, oh, wow, she does love this guy on some level. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, she turns on him. It's just that it's sitting there and, and the film lets it go. And, I, and, and part of the problem is, is, like I said, structurally and sort of the, I think the, the, the film's vibe and sort of style is a very classic 1950s Hollywood type of smaller film. But it brings with it all the baggage of our courage, current cinematic age, which is having to be very clear about your intentions and what, how, how the film and the filmmakers feel about things. So the tech billionaire has to be an obvious bad guy. Um, the Jason Siegel character is sort of representing the sort of working class has to be this gentle sort of downtrodden fellow. The, the Lily Collins character is this 
you know, uh, stand-in for the modern woman and all that she has suffered. And, and it's just all of that baggage and the fact that you have to indicate it so clearly to audiences now, um, and maybe even to Netflix, just to get this movie greenlit, is what makes this movie not work. And that's just terrible because like you said, all the pieces are there, all of them, even with this cast, even with Jason Siegel, it's all there. And this thing could have really been a, a phenomenal little movie. And it just, it just doesn't make it. It just doesn't cross the finish line for me. We, we've lost your vocals. All righty, we'll every, try that again. Don't, Barry's back, everybody, Barry's back. <laughs> Yeah, the there was a little I don't know if you heard that noise that came on, but the uh, paper shredder randomly a ghost turned it on over here and it went nuts. So I muted myself to go turn that off. So now quick movie pitch to you. What if film starts guys on a Zoom call all of a sudden paper shredder goes on? Oh, that's weird. That's that's strange. Go and check the paper shredder, turn it off, come back, come back to the Zoom call. Then all of a sudden paper shredder goes on again. Guy goes over to, he's like, I'll call you back. Turns off Zoom, goes over to it. Paper Shredder attacks and eats him. I feel like this is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes for the modern audience. I love it. I think, I think, <laughs> I it, love I think it it's, too. No, it's good. It's good. And what if the guy, what if the guy is a tech billionaire? So nobody feels bad about his being. Oh, that, I mean, it, uh, it's right, <laughs> up, right up the alley. Right up the alley. <laughs> I was going to say that it's not an apples to apples comparison, but a similar triangle of deception slash intrigue slash trying to figure out what's going on that it's a better movie and it's different but i think you can see where i'm going with this but for those that ever watched ex machina this has oh, yeah, a yeah. similar kind of vibe and what i liked about ex machina is like you had that proper okay the woman's innocent and she's being but then like wait is she playing this over here and the guy that's a little bit uncomfortable, but a little bit, you know, kind of at awe with the billionaire, but he starts to see the billionaire is bad. And the billionaire is like, well, I'm going to let this guy in, but I know what the, the robot woman's like. And it's like, everybody's got a piece of information. And as it kind of reveals, you get the information, but then you realize that the information may be being twisted so that it's like, is this accurate information? And that movie worked because of that. And it isn't such a grand lift different than this one where you're like oh yeah you know that clearly doesn't work you're kind of like no it's just literally people sitting in a room talking to each other you know someone leaves the room quick let's whisper about the other person over here you watch something with the other person like oh i don't know if that was a you know a a a moral or a a straight shooting sort of decision they made now i have to cast doubt upon them and you're like it can be done <laughs> it can be done right. and i totally agree with you that this cast like sometimes you're like oh well, you know, if we brought in Joaquin Phoenix as opposed to Jason Siegel, that would make this a better movie. You know, those sorts of decisions are always easier. And that's why, you know, people def default to well, let's go hire the same six actors in this movie. I don't think the budget was such that, like, you know, this would be a financial ruin if if it doesn't work. So, you know, this is where you take someone you put in Jesse Plemons, who even though he's got buzz, you know, getting you know nominations he had a great you know kind of stole part of the the series from breaking bad but yet he is just a character actor so like you can get him for the right price in this because i'm sure netflix paid him you know well enough but i mean oh it just it was so frustrating as about halfway through the movie i'm like i still had a little bit of hope that it was going to be atypical i'm like wow oh, i feel like it's backtracking some here i'm not as excited that this is going to end the way i want it to and then by the time it ended i was like oh man i'm like i can see the road i can see the road that would have been yeah. paved yeah. and wonderful and you had the convertible top down enjoying it and here we are in this dusty dirt road that you're like <laughs> ah the car is kind of broken at the end of it um but yet i look at it i'm like god i want more movies like this made yeah. Like, I, like, can we please get more, even if they're not executed well, please give me more of these. Um, and so from that standpoint, it's, it's just an odd, it's just, I felt odd coming out of it. Cause I'm like, man, what a weird little thing. And I was just looking at the poster. I don't know if you noticed, but on the poster, it is the three people looking, but it's almost like they've been turned into cartoons. 
There's like a little yeah. bit of a digital treatment. And it almost looks to me like it feels to me like something that was straight out of uh, what's the Michael Douglas uh, movie uh, where they went down to the Amazon. The romantic, romancing the stone. You know, it looks right? like a romancing the stone. Yes. Type yeah. poster, which is tonality, not at all what this movie is. Right. Yeah. You know, when we were talking about which ones, I'm like looking at the poster. I'm like, well, that's a weird one. That's why I started watching the preview, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what this movie is, but I'll give it a shot. But boy, oh boy, if you were basing it based off of if they said it's a comedy, you saw this. Yeah, you you definitely set up the audience to not be happy with this movie because it's definitely not a funny movie. But, I think you know, I think you... it could have been made funnier. I mean, part of my one of my favorite scenes is when Jason Siegel, you know, is trying to figure out how to like not let them die if he like you know locks them up in the house and runs away. <laughs> but right. you know, he also can't have them immediately following. And so his decision was to put him in the uh, the sauna and like right. stack furniture on the outside of the door so it would take <laughs> him a while to bang it down. And just Jesse Plemons and Lily Collins talking as you see Jason keep disappearing from the window and coming back with another piece of, and I'm like, see, that's this movie. Like that's the tone that's original. And I'm like, I love this. And then the next scene, you're kind of like, ah, you know, they were like, come on. You, it's like, they almost didn't realize what they had. I agree. And, and the other thing that it, this brings up for me is Netflix itself. So again, Netflix, uh, this is their movie, and the Netflix model is they need content. Um, they don't necessarily need good content. And so this film feels like a perfect Netflix storm where they get this idea, Jason Siegel, great, a star, awesome. Uh, Lily Collins, great, a star. I think Lily Collins' show is on Netflix. I could be wrong, but I think it is. Yeah, I think it, I think it um, is. Yeah, so, oh, great, one of our stars. And, and here's Jesse Plemons, who was just in one of our movies. Great. Um, we can put this out. You can sort of rush to get it done. It's, it's, I, I can't imagine this movie costs, uh, if it costs $20 million, I'd be shocked. Um, they get this thing out and... They don't care if the script is ready. They don't care if the movie's good. If it is good, great, but they don't really care. They just need content and they want people to click on it because that's all that matters. And so they put a, oh, there's Jason Siegel. He's funny. Let's put a little comedic picture on there. And so people click on it. And it doesn't matter if they watch the whole thing or not, if they bail on it, if they like it, if they hate it. It's like, oh, great. We've done our job. It's just churn them and burn them. And that's good. It's good that there are so many places that need content. That's good for people like us. That's good for people in the industry. It also comes with a downside for people in the industry in terms of pay and control and all this sort of stuff. But the bottom line is, is that it doesn't matter if it's as good as it can be. If this movie came out next year, it would be better because you'd have more time to develop it, more time to develop that script, more time to work on that script, get maybe, you know, two more drafts of it, three more drafts of it, get a tighter movie, more defined uh, uh, characters and things like that. And then the movie comes out and it's like, oh, here's a real little gem. And through word of mouth, that movie grows. Now, it's, it's probably not going to win awards or anything like that, but it, it, it's going to be something that people are like, oh, did you see that? Oh, that's actually pretty good, you know? And this movie is completely forgettable. Like there, there's nothing about it where, I mean, would I recommend it to people? I'd say no, but you know, it's 90 minutes long. So if you have nothing else to do and you just, you, you know, because oh, you can boy. scroll through Netflix for 90 minutes, I, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say, the, the level for recommendation now is great. Right. No, but it's only 90 minutes. It's kind of like, <laughs> you would know. you like to be like, you know, beaten with a stick? Well, no, but it's only 15 <laughs> minutes, so it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, so that idea, and so it's this whole sort of Netflix model. And of course, Netflix is going through some turmoil at the moment. Um, you know, for the first time last quarter, it lost um, uh, subscriptions. 
And so they're sort of rethinking their model. They've still yet to, despite really working hard at it, they've not won a, a Best Picture award um, at the Oscars. And they're going to have losses in the second quarter too, because they just cut all service to, to Russia. And there's like 700,000 subscribers in Russia, something like that. That's gone. They, I mean, they, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they can figure out a way to, to make that sound not as bad <laughs> as it is. But, well, if, if 200,000 subscriptions plus caused a $35 billion erosion of the valuation of the company, 700,000 is almost three times that. So you do that math and there goes a hundred billion dollars in market cap. And you're like, Ooh, right. Okay. It, and you know, but they, they can at least explain away the Russia part because yeah. they they shut down. It Correct. wasn't like it was people ran away from it. Yep. They shut it down, but still th that money doesn't just show up somewhere, you know, and you're counting on it. If, if, if the part of the deal with Netflix is they carry so much debt is that, that's how they finance all of these projects that they're doing and they just roll it over. They just keep yeah. going, um, which, you know, it's worked and they've been successful with air quotes. Um, but it, it also just the effect it has on the quality of film. And we've, we've talked about this before and I've written about it ad nauseum, it, it seems, but, you know, like I said about the whole, and, and, and I'm hesitant to even call it a political statement of the movie because I'm not even sure that's what it is. It just feels like the film feels compelled to make a socio-political statement for some reason. And it doesn't have to, but it feels compelled to. And that's because of what's going on in the industry at the moment, in our culture at the moment. And, and that's so damages the quality of cinema as does the netflix model of churn and burn we just need content um and it seems like a perfect storm of all this stuff and that's the main thing i take away from this film is like we both said watching that first 15 minutes and being excited about it of here's this film we discovered and oh whoa what, what's going on here this is this is interesting here we go and then all of the junk just gets slopped onto it and you're left walking away going, huh, what could have been? And it feels like that almost all the time when we go to movies now or yeah. watch movies yeah. of, oh, what could have been, man? I mean, last year, how many times did we talk about that? Of like, you know, we couldn't find a good movie last year, not a great movie. We had a hard time finding good movies because everything was just sort of meh and everything was just, watered down and sort of garbage and rushed and not really worth the time and it's just I, this year thus far it has been interesting and i'm interested to see where the year goes but boy it, it's really disheartening to see the state of cinema and and movies like this could have really been an interesting intriguing bit of movie making and it seems like all of that stuff of the state of the industry played on what ended up on the screen. And it just had a detrimental effect. And it's very frustrating um, to see that. Uh, but anyway, you know, it is what it is. It, it's always nice to discover like a, a, a good movie hidden in, 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 out of sight. But this isn't it. Well, I think the part that I find most disheartening is not that Netflix has got the churn and burn model, not the fact that, you know, creators have to go to where the money is and, and, and you know, as it changes throughout the years, that's fine. I get disappointed that there are writers, filmmakers, and actors that don't push themselves to make it better. Like, when I get hired on projects that I know are not, like... When I read a script, I know, whoa, this is not winning the Academy Award. You know, Brad Pitt's not going to knock down his agent's door being like, get me on this film. But yet the goal is, is, okay, here's what it is. How do we find the most amount of ways to elevate this project to make it better and make it original, make it unique, make it palatable? And I can't imagine that their shooting schedule was such 
that there was not time for actors and directors to talk, that they couldn't shoot a scene a couple different ways, you know, to give him some options and post. I feel like this was kind of like everyone got paid, everyone showed up, they shot it, the editor cranked it out, you know, studio stamped it. And it was kind of like there was nobody advocating to make it better than it is. Yeah. And I think that to me is the biggest disappointment because just because, I mean, most people that work on a film, they know it's not going to win an Academy Award. They know it's not going to be picked up by the, you know, copyright office of, you know, <laughs> to be preserved <laughs> for all of the end time. But what you want to do is go, why? Because I was involved in that project. The project is better because of what I did or how we interacted and maybe maybe this movie was more of a dumpster fire and maybe this is where you got to that i'm not discounting that that maybe but i feel like just the acting talent alone should have elevated this beyond what it was because i feel like jesse plemons leaned wholeheartedly into i am you know what jim carrey was to sonic the hedgehog movies in the preview you're like <laughs> you're like there's no you know nothing interesting about that whatsoever um Going back to to Ex Machina, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, who was this billionaire, you know, I'm not saying it was the most vetted out billionaire kind of thing, but it wasn't immediately he was good or bad. You kind of had that initial luster of like, ooh, I get to go to the owner of Google's like, you know, little secret hideaway. But then you're like, well, who is this guy? And what is he telling me? And, you know, and there's some connections there and none of that happened in this movie. And I just feel like, whether or not it was done for, you know, kind of political socioeconomic statements, I kind of just go back to that writing thing that I feel like anytime you start with younger writers, if you're going to do a first pass of something, it's usually very like obvious and on the nose and to get to something being more nuanced or more interesting, it takes more drafts or it takes me like, ah, you know, it's like when someone, you know, when I'm trying to break down a scene and they're like, well, here's a scene where they're going to go from point A to point B and you just keep scratching your head. And you're like, okay, well, I could shoot it this way, but there's got to be another way. Is there a more interesting way to do this? Is there a way that we can say it less or show something and have it be, you know, and like the script never allowed for any of that. And then the way they shot it never allowed for that. And I think that, that to me is the biggest disappointment because these are artists and artists need to know that making a movie is really hard and to make a good movie is almost impossible. And making a great movie is mostly just dumb luck, <laughs> but you got to put in, you got to put in the effort. And I feel like this is almost like an Adam Sandler movie where a bunch of friends went to an Island and yeah, they, yeah. they got content, put it in, but it wasn't like, you know, we're not going to stay an extra half hour to get another take where I think we might be able to be like, Oh yeah, we got it. We're, we can move on. And to me, that's the artists always have to be the one that hold art to the high form. It's never going to be the studios. It's never going to be the money people. It's never going to be the you know, distributors or the, the, the platforms. It's always the artist. The artist always has to fight for that. And that to me is the biggest disappointment is because the pieces are there and had the artists fought for it, this would have been, or could have been a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of something a bit off topic, but the other thing that disappointed me about it was, as you and I both know, we've been in situations like this. We've talked about this sort of stuff before and worked on uh, other projects about this sort of stuff, but how the film is shot now with three characters in a single location, um, you think, oh, that well, that's sort of limiting, but it really isn't, especially with the three characters. You can do so much with the visual geometry of how you uh, put a shot together. Um, you did a great thing years ago about a scene from, um, uh, oh, what the heck is the name of that movie? Unbreakable, yeah, which is a great little um, thing. And you, you do that in this video and you talk about the geometry of that scene and how the characters move in relation to one another and the symbolism of that and the power that comes with that with, with the drama. And this film didn't take advantage of that very obvious dynamic. It, it was, it, it felt like it never occurred to them to do that, which is astonishing because 
Anytime you have three characters in the scene, you, you know, it's just like a stage play. It's like, okay, the blocking. Well, what, what are we going to do? Who's where? What's the power dynamic? You know, what's the, in, the relationship status of everybody in regards to one another? And visually, this didn't do that, which was really disappointing because that's the thing that would indicate they put a, a level uh, and a depth of thought into this that it required. And it just didn't happen. It, 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 that, that's what makes me feel like, oh, this is churn and burn. This is rush, you know, and, and if they had waited a year to make it, you know, who knows with scheduling and all that sort of stuff. Um, it just could have been so much better, man. So much better. I don't know how much of this is urban myth or not, but uh, Fincher works with uh, yeah. Netflix on, um, oh, what's his series? Uh, about the Mindhunters. Yeah. And he, I had heard that it took him a really long time to be able to do Mindhunters because they had a hard time finding directors that were competent in directing people in a room talking and making it interesting yeah. and there is a scene that it was so like every once in a while i watch like a sequence and you get goosebumps at just the pure beauty and perfection and masterful skill of something that nobody else noticed but the, the in mind hunters and this ties into this that it doesn't seem like much so you have the two I don't know if they were agents that were kind of arguing over what to do about the serial killer and should they ask questions. And so, you know, during the first part of the episode, they're kind of together, they're in sync. And then they have this interview with a really diabolical, awful, you know, serial killer. And you could tell there's fissures between the two of them in the dialogue. And so as they leave this penitentiary, they literally, the shot, they're walking side by side and the camera moves and they're going to have to go to either side of the car. But the way it's shot, you see them physically getting further apart and they're not looking at each other. And it's like metaphorically the same of what you're watching. And then they kind of pause and just how they edit the two of them staying kind of at odds on either side of the car and then getting yeah. into the car. But then you're through the window. It's almost like it, you just watch this little it's like three edits in a little sequence that basically, you know, in the script, they leave, get in the car to go there. And they right. infused all the stuff that had been building into this one sequence. And I'm just like, there, that's a director that knows what they're doing because it's so profound. And it, it's, it's so easily missed because it's so, it's like perfect. That's the way it should be. Yeah. But finding the perfect of what should be is what's difficult. And that didn't happen in a single film or a single scene. The one, like I mentioned with Jason Siegel stacking the stuff, that was probably amongst my favorite because the comedy worked and it was kind of this absurdist thing, but it also was tonally out of, like, it couldn't figure out what it wanted to be at the beginning. They're kind of like joking and, the, you know, the fact yeah. that they're like, he's like, you guys walk ahead and they're just kind of like, nobody was tense. They're kind of like bouncing around. Like part of that in that beginning part, you're like, ooh, what is this? This, you know, they're not fearful. He's not intimidating. You're like, how would I, you know, when would I be scared? When would I just be like, okay, dude, just get out of the house. And outside of that tonal thing, there was no other sequence where as the dynamics between the characters built, they then visually showed you that. It was just like, oh, see Lily Collins? She's thinking. Oh, see Jesse Plemons? He's bad. Oh, look at Jason Siegel. He just wants to get out of here. And you're like, well, that's not interesting. Like, you know, you're not, right. you know, and if you watch a lot of Fincher's stuff, a lot of how the blocking and who's looking at who and who's standing over who and you know who's got their back turned so they're trying to be in a conversation but they're not right, because right. they're not part like they're all subtle but it's like that's what artists do they find ways to make sure that what are they saying what does it mean what are the characters feeling and how do we put the conflict in that scene so that it works as a scene and that that to me is you know, it's mostly on the director, but I still think these actors should have been good enough to at least tried more than they did. But I probably and if you turn the sound off, does the same message get conveyed? No, definitely not in this movie. Right, but that like with a Fincher film, yeah, you you know that, and Correct. and like of course it's it's you know almost obscene to be comparing Fincher to yeah, I know, this movie, I know. 
<laughs> but it's so true. And, and, you know, Mindhunters is, is a great, great series. I, I, I wish it would come back. Um, so good. And like Finch is just, you know, he's a master. He, he's a ridiculously gifted guy and, um, and a visionary, but yeah, that, that's what this film lacks. You know, I'm thinking about that scene where the gardener comes and they go out, and they look at the garden he built. Yes. And how poorly shot that is that they don't do anything with that. And it's such an interesting dynamic because you have the triangle and now a fourth has entered. And that should be so jarring. And it's not, it's almost a throwaway sort of visually sequence. It's really, really, I mean, as, as a cinephile, you watch that, you just go, oh man, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here, well, man? The the best the best example of that is Jason Siegel during that whole thing is like we got to get back inside, but they set up nothing. Like the more he said that, the more he's like he's looking like a criminal, and this right. guy is going to be like something's weird. But there was never anything to set up why Jason Siegel needed to get him back inside. If they stayed outside longer, what was that? Were they walking towards something that would have given it away and he wanted to make sure like nothing there was no it was just jason siegel being like i want to be inside i want to be inside i want to be inside and you're like i would have called the police by now because you're clearly insane and i'm like <laughs> if i feel like you're insane for sure this guy knows that you're insane because he also gets to see all the nuances of being close to you so it's like you got to set that up like if they would have gone to the end of the garden and that's where something that had happened earlier that they would be like, oh, there's blood down here. What's that? Right. You've got yeah. to keep him away from that. That makes that scene infinitely more tense. And then that would be like, why Jesse Plemons would be like, oh, show me more because he wants to get over there, you know, sort of thing. But it, I mean, and that, and I'm, or, this or, is me just spitballing. Or, this is probably a terrible idea and it's right? already better. Or, or just have Jason Siegel be the one to say the lines Jesse Plemons says, which is basically, Oh wow, you're a really gifted guy. Yeah, you're a very talented guy. So he's basically saying, like, look, working class people can be very yes. smart, very gifted people, and they work hard. And throwing all that in Clemens's face and have Clemens have to right. sort of react to it, and then Lily Collins there. be in the middle of that and react. To it. And it's like none two, of that happens. It, two it, ideas that so were better with spending literally ninety seconds thinking about it. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that right there tells you all you need to know. Oh dear. All right. So let's wrap up this uh, discussion of windfall. So I'm going to ask the basic question. Uh, of course, if, if we were to recast this movie, we'd just cast Ben Foster in every role. Um, that's what we do here. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Who, ben Foster, not, please. Ben, and playing all the roles. It's yes. Like one of those clump movies. Yep, absolutely. Um, now, would you recommend this to anyone? Here's the thing. I think I would, but it would be, it would be not with a caveat, not like a filmmaker to see what they did or knew. I would actually recommend this to people to see what they say when they watch it. I'm almost curious what like an average, you know, just person out there looking for something on Netflix. I kind of think that they would like it more than I think they should. And it would just be almost (laughs) curious to just be like, you know, I would like to talk to them be like, okay, what, what worked for you? What did like, I kind of, I want other people that aren't looking at it critically to see it and then explain to me what worked and didn't. Sometimes when I go through that, then they're like, oh, you're right. I didn't really like that. And you realize that they just were going to be okay with anything they watched. But every once in a while, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you responded to that. That's interesting because there are certain movies that are super popular that I don't get. And when you ask people and they kind of point out stuff, you're like, okay, I would have never thought that that would have been the thing that connected you to it. And you're like, okay, it's more out of curiosity. But I think there are some people that I would just, you know, that, you know, is just looking for something to watch on Netflix, watch it. And I just want to know what you think. Like, you know, yeah. like, oh, you know, it's entertaining enough. Yeah, it's fine. You know. Well, like I said, Rotten Tomatoes disagrees with you as it's got a 39 audience score, but I sort of agree with you. I, I'd be, I wouldn't recommend it to say like, oh, it's a great movie, but I would, oh, yeah. I know, and this, this is, <laughs> this is not, this is not really a strong endorsement. It's not going to be on the poster, but basically, like I said, 90 minutes long if you just want to sit yeah. there and, and watch a movie just you know it's fine this is one of those ones um, if you're if you're in a night where you're going to be 900 pages deep on netflix hulu amazon prime and you can't decide on anything 
this is better than that hell. Like I would much yeah, rather watch yeah, this yeah. than seven hours if I can't find something. So that right. that this has a place for recommendation. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's a, it's an hour and a half you can watch it and go to bed and never worry about anything. <laughs> right? So boy, you're oh boy, not there you think go. About it. There you go. You, you won't wake up in the morning and be like, "Huh, wow, that movie! I can't stop thinking about it." Or, oh, I dreamt about that. No, you won't. You you won't even think about it ever again. But uh, all right, so that wraps up our discussion of Windfall, the Netflix movie. Uh, we both of us didn't hate the movie, but we sure didn't like it either. It's we're sort of ambivalent about it. Thought it was a missed opportunity. Uh, be quite interesting because we liked the first fifteen minutes, but just didn't work. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Look California Film Minnesota. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time at the movies. <laughs>